Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different. So your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm your cult leader, Spencer Henry. First off, welcome to you new listeners. This is a show about <laughs> what do we what do we what do we talk about on here? The bad stuff, the bad news. Um here's some good news. I got to meet some of you last week. Cult members out in the wild. Super cool, strange, exciting. <laughs> it just makes me so happy. One of you caught me in line at Starbucks uh, in Vegas, and you you're like Hey, I saw your phone case, and it's like, of course, my phone case says Cole Leader on it, because I'm definitely the person that wears their own merch, but, well, speaking of, I'm literally sitting in a Cole Leader sweatshirt right now, because why not? They're cozy, they're comfy, and um, speaking of merch, last week I announced on my personal Instagram, at Spencer Henry, that the Cole Leader merch shop is back up and running, and it will be open from now until February 3rd, when we temporarily close again for shipping, so... You can go to cultleader.com slash merch and find it there, or I think the link is in my bio. I heard you guys loud and clear, though. We added black options to the existing merch. A lot of you were like, I can't wear white. I don't trust myself to wear white because I will spill on it. And I'm the same way, so I guess I was just, like, having a moment. I was feel- feeling really brave. Um, so so it's there. You can, go, you can go buy it. Pay attention to my Instagram this week because I got something cool coming. And uh, thank you seriously to all of you guys that have placed orders. Please keep tagging me, tag Colt Leader, because I get so excited anytime I see someone in their Colt merch. And that's it. So let's get to the real reason we're all here. Murder. Today's story, you're gonna have to bear with me because I've been struggling with it. And not in, like, I want to tell the story so bad, but there's so many parts to it that I had no idea of. And like, honestly, if you think you know about this crime, just wait, because you might be shocked at probably a massive part of the story. I've been trying to figure out, like, what to talk about where and... Do I just go chronologically or do I want to tell you guys the story the way that I heard it because I was so shocked when I found out some other parts, but 
I don't know. Let's just let's just try and get through it. Today we're going to be talking about Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. They gained infamy for a string of murders committed in the early 90s, not just because of their gruesome crimes, but mainly because of their looks. The couple were nicknamed the Ken and Barbie killers for their attractive looks, and the press at the time were having a fucking field day. And I feel like this is a topic that's good to talk about right now because a lot of people are talking about how Zac Efron will be portraying Ted Bundy in an upcoming movie, which I think has brought to light the question of like, should we be putting an attractive person in this role to, you know, portray someone who was so awful? Like, is it romanticizing him? Is it is it awful to the victims? And it's like, I mean, I have a few different takes. One, I think that if you are, um, if they're profiting from it and none of it is going towards the victims' families or the victims' families didn't consent to it, then I don't. I mean, I, I personally am not for that. But as far as, like, romanticizing him, that's exactly what the press did at the time. They made Ted Bundy out to be this, like, charming person and I mean I guess in essence he was he wasn't the, he didn't fit the typical guidelines of what society at the time thought a serial killer would look like um personally Ted Bundy eh, whatever but um but yeah so anyways that's what that's basically what the press was doing they had that they had this semi-handsome guy the semi-pretty woman and they were just kind of like how could this quintessential 80s hot couple be serial killers but my little cult We know this is, there's so many awful babes out there. Before Paul and Carla got married and went nuts, Paul had a crime spree of his own. And so this is where I've kind of like debated what to talk about when, but let's talk about Paul and Carla first. So Paul was born on August 27th, 1964 in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Overall, Paul was described as being a happy child, despite the fact that he grew up in a pretty chaotic environment. His dad, Kenneth, was like a total perf, was arrested for the molestation charges on an underage girl in 1975 when Paul was just 11 years old, and was also known to have been sexually abusing Paul's sister. So overall, dad is terrible. His mom could not handle the stress. Don't blame her. She became a recluse. Same. She began living in the basement of the family's home and rarely spoke. So a few years later in 1980... Paul's mom comes into his room after having an argument with the dad, and basically she tells Paul, you're the product of an affair that I had, and he loses it. He's so mad, calls her every name in the book. It didn't matter if there was people around. He would just call her a whore, whatnot, and, well, yeah, I don't think most kids would take that news lightly. I feel like this, along with his pervy dad, kind of started the breeding grounds for who Paul became. Paul went to a few different schools after graduating high school. He landed at the University of Toronto in 1982 and began working for Amway, which is some, like, multi-level marketing bullshit, definite, like, pyramid scheme, but this was life-changing for him. He started reading all of these, like, rich dad, poor dad-esque books on how to get rich and talk to people or whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. And, like, listening to all of these motivational tapes um, of speakers that were like, you gotta do this, and, like, basically... I feel like half of these are just, like, how to be a sociopath, but anyways. So him and his fuckboy friends were like, hell yeah, let's try this shit on some babes. And so they did. They would go to the bars, and they would just, like, 
use their new sell it verbiage and they were really just selling themselves to these girls and everyone was in their 20s everyone's dumb when they're in their 20s and it works i'm in my 20s so i can say that so it's during these years that he's working at amway and everything which is when he meets carla in october of 1987 and it is love at first sight paul had been up to some shady shit before meeting carla in these in the years in between but before we talk about that let's just Quick background on Carla. She was born on May 4th, 1970. She was six years younger than Paul and in Port Credit, Ontario, Canada. She was the oldest of three daughters. She had two sisters, Lori and Tammy. Tammy, you're going to hear about in a little bit. And she had a pretty normal childhood. Above all, she loved animals so much so that she built her career around it. She worked at a pet shop. And then in 1988, she got a job as a veterinary assistant at the Therold Veterinary Clinic um before landing at the martindale animal clinic which is going to come into play in a bit also so let's talk about before their meeting in october of 1987 we got to talk about what paul was up to so here's what i know aside from like his work with amway hitting on girls paul was also busy being the scarborough rapist yes paul was a fucking serial rapist and this is the part that i didn't know i knew that him and Carla committed some crimes together, but I had no idea that before meeting Carla even, he was out there as like an actual name-given rapist. But uh, here's what I know. His MO was following young girls home from bus stops. He did this on, uh, I think, up to 10 different occasions. It started on May 4th, 1987, with the rape of a 21-year-old Scarborough woman he had followed home from a bus stop, and he raped her in front of her house. The next occasion was on May 14th, 1987, less than two weeks later, where he raped a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. So he was just following these women home, um... But he did run into some trouble along the way. On July 17th, 1987, he attempted to rape another young woman and he started beating her, but the girl fought back and she was able to get him off of her. And then he has a close call on September 29th of 1987 with the attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl. So basically what happens in this occasion is Paul breaks into the family's home. Uh, where this 15-year-old girl is living. He goes into her bedroom and he begins attacking her. But before he can finish, uh, the door swings open, the mom walks in, she starts screaming. Paul takes off and he is able to get away. This did not stop him. Um, However, like, one thing that is super fucked up is Paul was never caught but somebody else named Anthony Hahnemeyer was convicted of that attack in 1989 and served a 16-month prison sentence. Uh, Eventually, obviously, he gets exonerated, but still, fucking, he served the 16 months, which just shows how fucked our system is. But anyways, um, on December 16th, 1987, the, the Metropolitan Toronto Police issued a warning to women in Scarborough traveling alone at night especially those riding buses because they were like hey listen this is what's going on we've had a string of attacks we don't really know what's going on and then um on december 23rd 1987 he raped a 17 year old girl and he then became known as the scarborough rapist and that's kind of when they started putting it out Uh, He attacks another girl, April 18th, 1988. And then on May 25th, 1988, he was almost caught again, 
because the police were obviously on to what was happening, and so they started staking out different bus, uh, they call it bus shelters in this article, but I, I don't know, I think like a bus stop. Anyways, um, an investigator saw Paul hiding under a tree and chased him down on foot, but Paul was able to get away again. Uh, this time he stayed a little further away, and on May 30th, 1988, he raped an 18-year-old woman in Mississauga, Ontario, which is about 25 miles south of Scarborough. On October 4th, 1988, uh, he again attacks a woman, uh, but his victim fights him off, not before he stabs her in the thigh and the buttocks, which is the first time I believe that he had actually, like, stabbed someone. And then on November 16th, 1988, another 18-year-old woman. November 17th, 1988, uh, the police are like, okay, we got to put together a task force because there's just too much of this going on. We're going to like dedicate an entire team towards catching this guy. And um, he has another close call on December 27th, 1988. He attempts to rape another girl, but the neighbor ends up chasing him off. On June 20th, 1989, he again attempts to rape a woman. The woman fights off. She screams. The neighbors come out. He takes off. On August 15th, 1989, he rapes a 22-year-old woman. He, I guess, had been, like, waiting for her at her apartment when she got home, which is the most terrifying thing. Um, November 21st, 1989 was the rape of a 15-year-old girl. December 22nd, 1989, he raped a 19-year-old woman. And then on May 26th, 1990, Paul rapes a 19-year-old woman. Um, but the victim is able to identify him, and so she gives the police a, uh, composite, or the police make a composite of him, like, sketch, and they release it two days later, and it gets published everywhere. Everyone's on the lookout for this Scarborough rapist. And then in July of 1990, two months after the police had received two different tips that Paul fit the Scarborough rapist, the sketch drawing... He ends up being brought in and interviewed by police detectives. So, surely at this point, we're all like, how did he get away with it? Well, the police had been on this case since the get-go. They received hundreds of um, DNA samples from potential suspects, and they started receiving multiple tips from people that all led to Paul, including a personal one from his ex-girlfriend who describes Paul's fascination with rough, violent sex, uh, humiliation during intercourse, And on November 20th, 1990, when Paul's brought in for questioning, he was only there for about 30 minutes with an interview uh, with the local authorities. He provided samples that were never looked into, as police were sure they'd been mistaken due to Paul's sense of humor and his charm. Like, you fucking fools. Do they not remember Bundy? Anyways, they, they let him go the next day. They apologized to him for the inconvenience. And so... Now we're back to a month prior to this questioning, when Paul meets Carla, October of 1987. When they meet each other, they're they're both pretty fucked up in the noggin, and she is unlike any girl he's met before, because she's fucking awful. She loves Paul's sadistic nature, and Paul loves Patrick Bateman. Like, yeah, that Patrick Bateman, alright? So he would read and reread his copy of American Psycho, and just like lose it he loved patrick bateman he wanted to be patrick bateman and it's like okay i love the movie american psycho patrick bateman is played by christian bale he's a babe so hot so charismatic and like i idolize his ability to maintain a healthy skin routine 
But uh, it gets to a point in the movie where you're like, oh, he just dropped a chainsaw on that girl's head. Like, this dude sucks. But not Paul. Paul was like, love it. I want to be him. And Carla was really willing to do anything and everything to please Paul because she was also really sick in the head. And, like, you guys are going to, at one point, especially if you don't know this story at all, fucking lose it. So Paul ends up, uh, like, obviously his family was, like, pretty troubled and they had a lot going on uh, between Paul's dad being a total perv and his mom was a recluse. His sister is just, like... Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to categorize her because I really don't know what she's up to, but probably not in a good place based on everything that's happened to this poor girl. But anyway, it's like, yeah, so his family is just kind of fucked. So he starts spending a lot of time with Carla's family and the Hamolka family takes Paul in as their own. They love him. They're like, he's so charming. He's got a great job and he loved them too. One of them in particular, a little too much. During her time working at the pet shop, though, Carla had befriended this 15-year-old girl who we only really know as Jane Doe. Obviously, she was underage, so I don't think her name's ever really come out before. On June 7th, 1991, Carla hits up her friend, and she's like, hey, let's have a girls' night. So they went shopping, they got some food, and then they're like, hey, let's have some drinks, let's party. Little did the girl know, Carla had laced her drink with Halcyon, which I looked up, and it's this drug they give people with severe insomnia to help them sleep. So they're partying, they're drinking, the girl passes out, and then Carla calls Paul and is like, hey, get over here, your wedding gift is ready. Uh... Cult Leader is sponsored by BetterHelp. Cult Babes, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Are you hitting the gym, hitting the sheets for a little nap, looking at your neighbor's house on Zillow? Really though, if time was unlimited, how would you use it? How would you decide what's important enough to make time for? Unfortunately, time is not unlimited, but fortunately, therapy can help you figure out what matters to you so you can do more of it. That's one of my biggest takeaways from therapy, figuring out where to devote time to make the rest of my life easier. I could go on forever about how much less stressful life is once I learned to prioritize my time, but why don't you see for yourself? Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash leader today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash leader. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Okay, Uh, so they take the girl home, they undress her, and then graphic advisory... Paul videotapes as Carla performs oral sex on the girl, and then Paul proceeds to rape her. 
the next morning when the girl wakes up, she's vomiting and she thinks that it's just because of the drinking. She had no idea that she had been um, sexually abused or sexually assaulted. And then two months later, they invite her over again in August. But this time they drug her too much. The girl stops breathing and they call 911. And Paul had once again raped her. Um, but the girl woke up in, she was in like, I guess, stable condition. So they call back 911 and they're like, Hey, cancel the ambulance. Everything's fine. Um, she was just passed out. She had too much to drink or whatever. So the girl survived, but no authority called to follow up. And like, don't you guys feel like they should have at least done a drive by? I don't know. It's weird to me. Like, I feel like anytime you dial 911, the police show up, but I don't know. Um, the next attack was, is, like, just what fucking blows my mind. So, Paul, like I said, liked one of the family members a little too much of the Homolka clan, and it wasn't Carla, it was her younger sister, Tammy. Tammy was 15, she was five years younger than a then 20-year-old Carla, and Paul confesses his desire for the 15-year-old to Carla, and she's like, you want my sister, you can have my sister, in fact, she even helped break part of her little sister's window out so that Paul could watch Tammy from outside, and he would he would do that. He would stand outside of her window, and he would um, masturbate as he watched the girl inside. So he's a total perv, and during the summer of 1990, things began to escalate. So the first uh, attack on her sister is on July 24th. Carla cooks a dinner... Uh, she cooks some sp- spaghetti for her husband and little sister. Tammy's meal, however, had a secret ingredient. Crushed tomato. And Tammy joined Top Chef. Just kidding. It was crushed volume. So they give her the meal. Tammy passes out. And um, Paul kind of like does some stuff to her. Carla's watching the whole thing go down. And then six months before their wedding... Uh, Carla stole an anesthetic agent called Halothane from the clinic that she was working at. So remember the animal clinic she worked at, or the vet? Um, she would take home the pills and stuff, which is how she got, I believe, the Halcyon the first time for their previous victim, the Jane Doe. And then on December 23rd, 1990, Carla and Paul give uh, the sleeping pills to her little sister, Tammy, in an eggnog cocktail. It's right before Christmas, so they're just celebrating the holidays. Tammy goes unconscious, and then Carla and Paul undress her. Carla takes a cloth that is covered in halothane and uh, puts it over her sister's nose and mouth. Carla wanted to give Tammy's virginity to uh, Paul for Christmas, which is true. It's uh, According to her, Paul was like, Super disappointed that he was not Carla's first partner sexually. And so she's like, let me give you the next best thing. My little sister. Which, like, she is just fucking awful. You guys are going to be so mad in a minute when I tell you what happens. So Tammy's parents, are Carla's parents, are sleeping upstairs. um, And the couple is downstairs with her sister. And they videotape themselves sexually assaulting her. They rape her in the basement. 
And then she's several times throughout this covered her face with the halothane because she wants to make sure that her sister's passed out for all of this. But things take like a turn for the worse. Tammy starts vomiting. She wakes up, she's just vomiting. And then she begins choking and she's just out and she's not breathing. The pair try to revive her and then they call 911. Um, but not before hiding the evidence. They dressed Tammy, they moved her into her bedroom, and then a few hours later, Tammy Homolka was pronounced dead at St. Catherine's General Hospital without having ever regained consciousness. So, basically, it was because of the pills and the halothane, she just never woke up. So, Carla and Paul killed Carla's little sister, Tammy, and then got away with it. Because, so basically, officials start looking into this. They're like, what happened? She choked on her own vomit after the consumption of alcohol. That was the final ruling. And it was just looked at as an accidental death. Um, it, this makes me so, like, upset. It's so upsetting. They, so she dies. And they, they don't ever look into it any further. There was a chemical burn on Tammy's face from the halothane, but the coroner, they just accepted uh, Paul and Carla's story of what happened. And it just makes me disgusted. Like, this poor girl was probably so terrified. And, okay, this next part is what really drives it in, how psychotic both Paul and Carla are. Afterwards, they took the video camera that they had been using to film Carla's um, Carla's sister, Tammy, being raped. And Carla puts on her sister's clothes and pretends to be her. Which is like, what? So they, they end up, Paul and Carla had been living with the family at this point. They move out of the house to this little bungalow because they want to let her parents deal with the grief. And like, obviously Carla's not grieving, because she's a fucking idiot. And, you know, you, have, you just have to be a special kind of fucked up to do that to your own family. Anyways, some time goes by, a few months go by, and on June 15th, 1991, the couple is ready to strike again. Paul had been wandering around stealing license plates one night in Burlington, as one does, and he runs into a 14-year-old girl named Leslie Mahaffey, who she was trying to get home after attending a friend's wake, She's waiting outside of her house because her parents had locked the door because she missed curfew. But it's like, okay, if I'm reading this right, she was on her own, her way home from a fucking wake. Her friend, her friend died. She's on her way home from a wake. So anyways, Paul approaches Leslie and he's like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he's basically just starts telling her like, oh, I'm just going to break into a neighbor's house. And I guess the girl did not care. She asked him for a cigarette and he's like oh, come over here, and he gets Leslie to come over to his car. Uh, she ends up coming, going over to his car. He blindfolds her and then takes her home. Uh, don't ever go to the car. He gets back to the house. He walks her inside. He had been holding her at knife point, and he, when they get inside, he tells Carla, like, babe, get out here. We got, we got a new one, and they start blasting music, they put on some Bob Marley and Bowie, and they pull out the camera and start filming. They proceeded to rape, torture, and assault Leslie. She's crying, yelling for help, and this is... They they have videos of it that they obviously showed in the courtroom, 
And so I, I got Leslie was just there. She's screaming for help. They're just blasting this music. They're assaulting her. Her blindfold starts to slip at one point, and she tells them, I assume, in order to gain their trust. But they were scared she'd be able to identify them now. So the next morning, Carla force feeds the girl Halcyon, uh, which is the an- the anti insomnia pills, and she dies. Paul claims that it was Carla's dose that killed the girl. However, once they were in court and everything, Carla claimed that Paul strangled her afterwards. Regardless what they did with the body, both of them are at fault 100%, no matter which way you look at it. They kept Leslie's body in their basement while they went to the store to purchase some cement. And using his grandfather's saw, Paul cuts Leslie up into little pieces, mixes her into the cement. They took the cement blocks to Lake Gibson and dumped them into the water. One of the blocks was really heavy and they couldn't get it, they couldn't manage to like throw it into the water, so they left it on the shore. And it ended up being found two weeks later by a fisherman and his son. Rule number one, if you're trying to dispose of a body, my guess is not to just, like, give up and leave it on the shore. Like, they managed to get it to Lake Gibson. Like, how... (laughs) That's, like, one thing that bothers me. I don't understand that. I mean, I'm glad so that that they couldn't get it in there. But if you're gonna make all the effort to, like... They got it in the car. They got it to the lake. Make sure it's in the water if that's what you're trying to do. So, <laughs> welcome welcome to my podcast about how to get away with murder, but not actually, because it's fucking awful. So, uh, less than a year later, on April 16th, 1992, they are out on another mission to find their next victim. They see a 15-year-old girl walking, and her name is Kristen French. Carla goes up to the girl. Carla has a map in her hand, and she's like, Hey, I'm lost. I'm so sorry. Could you be some of, of some assistance? Meanwhile, Paul runs up behind the girl with a knife and forces her into the car. And this is a really good lesson, because if I think a lot of times we trust women um, intuitively. We're just like, oh, this this isn't a threat. Like, like this woman would never do anything to me. And I don't know why we think that way as a society, because as we all know, there's a lot of female psychopaths. But I know that, like, even being younger, people press it into me. And I keep thinking, while I was uh, researching all of this, I was thinking, I can vividly remember one time walking with my sister Olivia. We were walking to, like, I don't know, in our neighborhood. And I remember a woman pulling up and looking confused. And she was like, how do we get here? And I think me and my sister have always been, like, super anxious. (laughs) We should probably just, like... I don't know, go over there. I don't really remember what happened, but I I don't know why I remember that instance, but I do. So clearly it made some impression. I'm sure our mom told us, like, if someone comes up to you, 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 you run away, which, like, so that's my advice to all of you. If someone comes up to you, just run away. It doesn't matter. Trying to sell you something at the mall? Run away. Trying to get directions so that they can secretly murder you? Run away. Just always always run away. That's that's my motto. But unfortunately, the girl, you know, trusted Carla, and so she ends up in their car. They take her home, and unfortunately for Kristen, the couple dragged out her attack much longer than their previous ones. She was raped, sodomized, they filmed the whole thing just like they did the other ones, and this lasted for uh, about three days. It was on Easter weekend of that year. 
and they failed to blindfold her, which becomes kind of a big deal during the trial later on, because basically that was their whole reason that they had killed Leslie Mahaffey, because they were worried about being identified, and clearly they weren't worried about Kristen seeing them, so it's like, okay, obviously their intention was not to let this girl go. On the last day of the attack, Carla beats Kristen with a rubber mallet because the girl tried to get away, and then I believe the girl was hanged. Uh, Carla disputed the hanging claim, saying that Paul had actually, in fact, strangled Kristen. Paul says it was, like, Carla's attack that killed the girl, but I guess we won't ever really know. Kristen's naked body was found on April 30th, 1992. She had been wiped clean of any DNA. Her head was shaved to prolong the identification process. Throughout their crime spree, both Carla and Paul had been interviewed by the police for different reasons. Police ended up putting together this Green Ribbon Task Force three days after after they interviewed Paul on May 12th, 1992. The task was organized to look into the deaths of both Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, and during this time, Carla and Paul applied to legally change their last name to Teal, the name of a fictional serial killer from a movie. So, like, if the police were looking at them in any way, shape, or form, I think that that would be probably something that's pretty alarming. A few months later, in December of 1992, Carla doesn't show up for work one day. She calls in, she's like, listen, I got in a really bad car accident. Eventually, she comes back to work in January of 1993, and her coworkers were like, mm, something doesn't seem right. They were pretty upset. They felt like it was Paul who had done something to Carla, and so they actually took it upon themselves to call Carla's parents, and they're like, listen, we think Paul is beating Carla, you need to, like, come get her out of this situation. And so the next day, they do. They took her to the hospital for examination. Carla ended up telling the hospital that she was a victim of domestic abuse. She subsequently filed charges against Paul, who was arrested, but later he was uh, released. The following month, in February of 1993, authorities were able to correctly identify Paul as the Scarborough rapist from years prior because of DNA samples he had provided. Um, Carla ended up confessing everything to her aunt and uncle. That's who she had been staying with since she moved out of Paul's house. And she ends up meeting with a lawyer who offered her immunity in exchange for her cooperation. But two days later, this offer is revoked because they find the videos and they see all the shit and they're like, oh, like you were definitely a part of this. Paul gets arrested on February 17th of 1993. Carla is, um willing to give up everything on Paul. She says that she was coerced into a lot of it, and she only gets 12 years. 12 fucking years, you guys. That is for the murder of Leslie Mahaffey. That is for the murder of Kristen French and her sister. Like, it drives me nuts. Paul's trial took place on um, in 1995 for the murders of Kristen and Leslie. He's found guilty of both murders on September 1st of 1995 and receives life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Throughout the trial, both Paul and Carla tried to pin different things on each other, but I guess they felt Paul was like kind of the head um person in in charge of the attacks but they still gave um 
well, thank God, they still gave Carla her 12-year sentence. Paul remains in prison to this day, and he is now 54 years old. And Carla, let's talk about Carla. Carla is now 48, and after a few prison relationships with convicted murderers, she was released on July 4th, Happy Freedom Day, of 2005. She went to Montreal... Uh, people kind of figured out who she was because she had been denied name change multiple times. And then she made a few different moves before landing back in Quebec, where she gets married once again to, I think it's her lawyer's brother, uh, Terry Bordelais. And Carla has proceeded to have children. She... Okay, so when you Google Carla Hamoka today you can find there's like videos of like news crews that have showed up at her children's school like filming carla the other parents of children at the school have been like we don't want her near our children because i guess she's like chaperoning fucking field trips and shit and it makes me so mad because i truly truly one thousand percent believe that carla should be sitting in prison for the rest of her life for what she did. Um, regardless, even if you want to say it's mind control or this or that, like, look at, uh, there's so many cases in the past where people are sitting in prison for way less for their entire lives. And it's like, if anybody should be sitting in prison, it's this woman that is seen on actual videotape raping and hurting other women, it just fucking bewilders me that she is not in jail right now. And she is just out as a free woman. Um, obviously, she's going to have to live with the consequences for what she's done. Obviously, people people know who she is. So she's never going to be able to get away with it. And I hope that every day is just fucking torture for her. And I, she doesn't, she's not somebody who deserves happiness. I do not think that you can do all of that kind of stuff, and then within 12 years be completely reformed and just be a normal fucking mommy blogger. Like, fuck off. So, anyways, I'm cle- clearly in my feelings about it, but it's just, I think she is just disgusting. I think both of them are trash, and they... <sighs> Neither of them deserve to ever feel happy again. So, that is the story of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Paul was the Scarborough rapist. He was a serial killer. Carla was his accomplice in the killings. And both of them are just gross. So I'll be back next week. Uh, Don't forget to check out cultleader.com slash merch. And goodbye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.